This is the Freestyle Way. All right, welcome back, my friends, to the Freestyle Way podcast. My name is Carl Powley. I'm your host, and this is episode 11 with my friends at the School of Calisthenics. I have both Tim Stevenson and David Jackson, a.k.a. Jacko, who I met last year in 2018 when they had me as a guest on their podcast and later got to meet them in person when I was in London. And they have been such a pleasure to uh, work with and get to know as they are uh, excited about their craft, which is teaching people how to move better. And they do this through calisthenics, which is uh, basically bodyweight training. And the beauty of the work that they do with the School of Calisthenics is that they treat this as an academy, as you go into school, as you go into physical education school. And one of their taglines that I really, really appreciate is redefining your impossible. And that's what they're in the business of, making the impossible possible. And they do it in such a beautiful way. And you will Uh, understand what I mean when you listen to our conversation. Something that I also appreciate about Tim and Jacko is that uh, they teach calisthenics, which some would consider gymnastics, uh, in a way that is very different. And the reason they teach in a different way is because they don't have a background in gymnastics. They are ex-rugby players who, yes, have uh, an extensive knowledge when it comes to uh, recovering from injuries and surgeries, as that's something that they had to experience through the sport of rugby, uh, but they just have such a different approach. And it was a wonderful time talking to them because we really got to dive into not just where they come from and what they're currently doing with the School of Calisthenics, but why they're doing it. And in their words, they said at the end that they felt like our conversation was almost like going to therapy, which I I took as a compliment because I personally like therapy. I think therapy is very powerful and it allows you to really discover what's behind the curtains. And that's what we did in this episode. And then another note that I just wanted to share with you guys was that uh, I was sick as a dog the day that we recorded this episode. So pardon me for sounding stuffy and maybe a little sniffly. Sometimes you just have to do things uh, when they're imperfect and you never know when that's going to come back and save your ass in the future. So uh, that's that's what we have in store for today's episode and I'm excited to share this with you and I can't wait to hear what you think uh, and I'll make sure to check in with you guys on the back end. So for now, here are Tim and Jacko with the School of Calisthenics on the Freestyle Way podcast. <laughs> And we're live. Here we are. Guys, welcome. I'm I'm pumped. This is incredible. I can't believe we're we're making this happen from, from the other side of the planet. It's very exciting. It's amazing. I'd say to be here, but it's not necessarily the location. It's yeah, to be uh, to be on the airways with your car. It's great. That's amazing. Well, I've been on your show and now I'm so grateful I get to have you on my show, which is just, uh, I love it. And and I, I think I wanted to start uh, our conversation today with some gratitude uh, and really say thank you for all your support last year and for being there. I felt like I I met you guys over Instagram and we got to talking and uh, then we met in London finally in person 
when you guys were attending the Insider, you're even wearing the t-shirt right now, Tim. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Um, and even if Jacko says you're sucking up to me, uh, well, I think it's I've worn I think mine it's awesome. so much, it's just starting to wear out a little bit because I've been wearing it all the time. He's, he's basically just jealous that I have worn the t-shirt. And <laughs> you've now got one. You've, you've yeah, yeah, I've worn up to him on his relationship. I can't believe it. It's such a schoolboy era. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I love it. I appreciate it. And and what I wanted to say is that uh, meeting you guys last year was one of the highlights of my year. So so thank you guys. Uh, you guys are awesome. It's really kind of you to say, Colin. And likewise for us, I think um, you're somebody that we looked up to in the industry. When we like literally, we want to, we talk about it later. But when we first started exploring other people who we could learn calisthenics from, it was your content which stood out above everybody else's. So you've had a massive influence on the school of calisthenics. Yeah, I still of- remember watching your planche series and going, right, perfect. This guy can coach. He's got the progressions for me. This is my resource. So you've, you've very much been a part of it without really probably knowing until we got to sort of share a bit of time last year. So yeah, it's been a massive highlight for us. So thanks for, for investing that in that relationship with us as well because it means a lot. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, it it, it goes both ways. So uh, even though I just met you guys last year, I feel like I've known you guys for a long time. And when we met in London, I, I remember seeing you guys and feeling like, oh man, I, uh, long lost friend. He <laughs> <laughs> went to the wrong so, gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, you guys did go to the wrong gym. That was pretty funny. Um, so this morning, um, I was going through your website and I was looking for to see if you guys had some quotes or something. And I found one quote that I really liked. And I think this defines you guys in such a great way, which is uh, a quote that you both have together. And it says the following quote, our journey isn't perfect. Neither are we. But that is exactly the point. Uh, can you guys... Tell me a little bit about that quote and where that came from. Yeah, there's a fair bit behind that quote, to be honest, because uh, of a number of different things that have happened. I think it it tells the story of where we started. We aren't perfect. We don't we didn't come into into calisthenics with a gymnastics background or or anything really that would have set us up for uh, any form of success. We we don't have a, a freestyle sports. We've never done tumbling. We've never done acrobatics. It's it's very much was a new thing. We, we were probably the opposite end, and we, we both played rugby jacko from the age of six, and, and and me from about ten years old. So our whole thing was just my whole junior athletic and and into into my twenties really was was just about playing rugby, um, and that doesn't really set you up for calisthenics. So the whole and then that kind of like became a very much a part of the school of calisthenics, and we wanted. We wanted to make it accessible. We found it intimidating potentially when we were looking at stuff that other people were doing. You see stuff on social, you see people that are amazing and you look at it and go, I could never do that. Um, and we, we know that there's, as we started training more, more and more in this, in this form, we know that there's so many benefits and we wanted to share that with other people. And we really want to make our messaging open and accessible to anybody so people can have the confidence to also start and then therefore get the benefits um and it's also if we're, if we're being honest i know you said you wanted to go deep it's a it's a nod towards everybody else who wants to sort of on, look on and criticize and um and pick fault without really understanding the context of where we came from what we started out at um and the fact that we're just trying to have a positive influence and we're we're not perfect no one is um but we're doing our thing and we're trying to share positivity with other people so that there's a bit of yeah there's there's some meat on that to be fair yeah that's that is uh for sure i think i think you guys stand for that uh no doubt about it ever since i when when did we connect uh first in 2018 well, do you guys remember yeah, i'm trying i'm trying to think almost like as you were saying um before i mean Tim bought me your book, Freestyle, um, for my birthday. I'm trying to think when it was. Three or four years ago. Yeah. And then 
I think I just randomly sent you a, a direct message on um, Instagram. I can't remember exactly when it was going, asking if you'd come on the podcast. And was I just, I just said to Tip, it was like, a bit of a pun, let's see if we get Carlos on the, <laughs> on the podcast. Like, completely expecting, one, not really probably even a reply, and then two, didn't expect you to just go, yeah, go on then. And uh, so, yeah, when... I can't. Yeah, I can't. We could. I could. We could probably go back and have a look over the thing. But yeah, so it was, I think it's probably either, the starting. Either way, we, we, yeah, it was. It was sometime last year, mm-hmm. and, and and the fact that I, I was able to go on on your podcast was awesome, and we had a great conversation. So whoever's listening, should uh, after this uh, go and listen to uh, your episode uh, or the episode that I was on uh, on your on your show, which I, I don't know what episode that was, but maybe you guys uh, know that, or we can have that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, we can put we can put the link. It's worth it just for the intro, I think. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> the intro was funny that's for sure so you guys both come from rugby backgrounds uh did you guys uh grow up playing against each other did you guys know each other through rugby jacko was way better than me so we could have crossed paths but well, had yeah, been well, age both... range but would i would never have played no, yeah, jacko was, playing was two years older than me yeah, even still, I would never. You were far yeah. better than me. Um, yeah, you played, Jacko. You played for fourteen years. Uh, yeah, pre- professionally. Yeah, yeah at, uh, so at Nottingham, where we live in Nottingham, in the in the Championship. So me and Tim both grew up in Nottingham, but actually didn't know. Yeah, we didn't know each other until um, we met in two thousand thirteen. That was when I was my rugby career was just finishing. Um, just for, got cut short from uh, as well. It was a head injury that turned a bit ugly. That but I'd had it, it was a. It was the on knock of a, a series that had happened throughout my career the whole the whole way through, and it was time for me to go to pastures new, <laughs> which um, was when a friend of a friend of mine that knew a mutual friend of ours, sorry, from the church that we go to, hooked me up with Tim because I was trying to figure out what do I want to do after rugby, and was I remember being sat with the just been seen to specialist the neurosurgeon and with the physio got told okay that's you you can't play anymore and the physio said to me he was like what are you gonna do <laughs> and I was like mate I don't actually know <laughs> I'm gonna have to try and it was at Christmas and he actually said to me I'm happy to lie I don't know if I should say this but I probably I'm, I've started he was like I'm, I won't name him he was like I'm happy to lie to the club so that at least you're going to get paid over Christmas because we know as soon as we tell them that you're like the contract's null and void. Um, but luckily, they didn't have. To, I told them straight away, and and they honoured my contract till the end of that season. I had another year, but we we cut it after that. But um, yeah, during that time, I uh, I met Tim, and he'd got into strength and conditioning um, through uh, not through the traditional route so my I'd not got um, an undergrad degree in, in exercise science or anything like that I did materials engineering and you did management business management um, yeah and so he got in through a different route through an internship at um, here in Nottingham at, at Trent Uni and um, he was he was sort of my I was like right I'm jumping on to you because you've done the thing that I think I might want to go on to do so pretty much the first my first year was every Tuesday would follow Tim around and and uh, see what coaching he was doing um, and it was it was really interesting because he was working in Paralympic sport which um, I know we made a bit of a connection with you on you you you'd done some work um, with I can't remember, you don't use what was the term that you, adaptive athletes adaptive athletes yeah yeah the, the adaptive athletes yeah. yeah exactly so I sort of yeah so you so 
so for you, Jacko, you you came out of professional rugby, which that story about uh, them wanting to lie so you could get paid over Christmas—that's crazy. <laughs> I, I I totally understand. That's a big that's a big transition. And meanwhile, you, Tim, you were already a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, I started. Is that correct? Yeah, about two thousand and eight. I think I started my internship, um, and had got offered a job with the guys that I trained under for for a year, and was sort of like plugging away. I, I up until that point doing quite. A a lot of work at university level and then I'd, I'd managed to pick up a, a guy that I knew who was a double leg amputee marathon runner looking for some support and I actually used him for my case study to get my professional accreditation with the UK Strength and Condition Association you have to present a case study of an athlete that you've trained so I use Rich for that it's Richard Whitehead is the guy's name um, and I, so I sort of fell into uh into Paralympic sport in my first year. He was actually the first guy that I ever trained, really, on a one-to-one basis. And I, and I walked in the gym the first time that I was going to meet him for a screening. And, and all this knowledge that I'd got from textbooks and courses and accreditations, it kind of goes out the window when you realize that it's just not relevant because you've got a guy who can't squat like everybody else. He can't do a lunge. So where do you go with it? Um, and I fell in love with it because it was a problem. Um, and it, it, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was it, it, it gave me the freedom to be creative. I was allowed to be original. I could come up with what I wanted to do. And I used to say to people, no one can tell me that what I'm doing is wrong because no one knows how to do it right. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just doing whatever I wanted. And, and we were just trying to f- f- mix this thing up and find out how it was going to work. And he had some success. And, and that grew the... the, the that community sort of spans from one to the next. If you do work with one person and you, and you prove yourself, then all of a sudden some other person goes, well, can you do that for me? And, and that's how it began. It kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. I mean, isn't that true for everything, right? In life, people think they have it figured out, but in reality, we're all, we're all trying to figure it out. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's amazing. And, and I can attest to what you said, working with adaptive athletes is one of the most empowering things one can do. Uh, because you realize that uh, to some degree we are all adaptive and and normal quote unquote is uh, is something that uh, we have established because that's what we we think is normal or what we see uh, more often but uh, once you work with someone who has uh, suffered an injury or uh, lost a limb you realize that we're all in the same boat so that's that's an amazing thing and then and at that time uh jacko did you did you see tim working with the adaptive athletes well so i so then so five years so tim had been coaching for five years before i met him and um, my first experience was um a session that he was doing with rich with that guy um who Tim's sort of quite humbly not saying so he's like been multiple Paralympic world um, world record holding champion since since been working with him so it is it, he has gone on to do like a, a number of the athletes gone on to do big things but yeah I walk into the gym going and Rich is Rich is there legs off Tim's prepping him for for the session that's about to go ahead and I remember feeling I'd never it's one of those things you don't necessarily unless you've got an eye for it or been experienced to it, you don't see um, disability quite this. Oh, I definitely see it differently now. I notice, like, so I've done quite a bit of work with the C, well, we've both done quite a bit of work with CP athletes, so I notice way more when I can see someone looks like they might have CP or those types of things. But seeing Rich with his legs off, it was quite a weird experience. And what was what was so what was so interesting was how comfortable they were with what was going on it was actually what i realized very quickly it was like oh it's me that's got the i'm feeling weird because i 
I've it's my problem that this is of, of what's going on. I'm just not used to like you say what's normal. I wasn't used to seeing that. But then after you know, I don't know after how long it's certain. It's it then just becomes the norm, and um, it's uh, it's been to see how um, Tim's trained various different people and, and started starting with with Rich from my experience meant that my starting point for my S&C career was like you got to learn a lot of stuff very quickly because you're learning what's in the textbook and then you've got to learn all this other stuff as well but that was a steep learning curve but it set us up to be um, better coaches and more more adaptive, I guess, to use your, that phrase, more adaptive in the, our, in our, and dynamic in our coaching that we're, we're quite happy to come up with a new exercise, test an exercise, get, try something out for it to be wrong, try again, it to be wrong, okay, we're going to try it this way, okay, that's what's starting to feel right, and then refine the process. The, the training program would never stay the same because you are constantly trying to refine it, um, and some of, that, some of those things that you need to refine are brand new, fresh things. You have to challenge yourself to not just grab the next thing on or put a little bit more weight on the bar. We've got to think a little bit differently, and that's certainly transitioned to the way that we've been coaching and, in, in the first instance, learning calisthenics for ourselves because we literally had no idea what we were doing at the start. Just two rugby players messing about is literally as sounds a bit crazy but that is what it was that's how it started we didn't try we didn't start doing calisthenics because we wanted to make a school and then go mm. and teach people it we were just doing it for his own fun we just thought it was going to be yeah. it's a different way to train yeah yeah i mean that's incredible and and it's cool that you both uh started as uh, in the strength and conditioning world working with adaptive athletes so that's, i think that's an amazing start and it's almost like it makes everything else really easy yeah. <laughs> now it's like yeah, yeah. oh like you're 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 uh no problem to um, to uh, solve problems with so yeah someone, yeah someone comes in they've got all their arms and legs you're like oh is it easy <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's almost like you're you're uh, cheating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's it's kind of like that. But you, Tim, you suffered an injury, a pretty big uh, shoulder injury that that uh, got you out of rugby, I assume. And yeah. So uh, when I was playing at university, I was uh, probably 21 when it first started. I dislocated my shoulder, um, and then that it went back in. I hit the ground and my shoulder went back in. So I didn't really do much about it. Carried on playing in the weeks and months to come and, and had suffered a number of different uh, occasions of dislocation. Uh, ended up having a surgery when I was at university. So I had a slap repair, uh, which is basically sort of a tear in the labrum, which was allowing the, shoulder, the head of the humerus to slip out of the, the fossa on the scapula. So it's just very easy. The guy explained it to me, he says, it's like a button going through a, a buttonhole. It just slides out of, out of place. Um, and that sort of progressed and I actually lived abroad for three years and I stopped playing rugby I went and, and was a scuba diving instructor for three years which Jacko thinks is hilarious is thinking me wandering around the beach just going you want to scuba um, and that is how, <laughs> uh, where, 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 where were you a scuba instructor uh, Australia I was in Sydney for quite a while and I worked up on the Barrier Reef and I went to Zanzibar for a year which is where I met my wife which exactly. Was, uh, yeah exactly right in Africa yeah in uh, Zanzibar yeah east coast just off Tanzania but a scuba diving yeah, instructor awesome. picking up his wife yeah you know, pretty- <laughs> is that is that what Jacko uh, <laughs> is constantly giving you grief for? Yeah, yeah pretty smooth, right? She's looking. Um, at me. <laughs> so I came back to rugby after I'd lived abroad for a bit, and then started having problems with dislocations. Had another surgery, same thing again, and um, and and that was like a very much of a starting point as to why I, I got into bodyweight training. I, I wanted to 
to try something different because I'd done so much physio over the years and, and none of it had worked. None of it had prepared my shoulder for what I wanted it to be able to do. And at that time, when I decided to have my last dislocation and while I was doing my SNC internship, and I was like, I'm, I'm working now doing a job. I can't afford to have a shoulder which is, is not stable. Um, so I stopped playing. And then um, a few years later, sort of found my way into, into calisthenics because I thought if I can do a handstand, then I can have some confidence that my shoulder's stable. And I remember the first time that I sort of like put my hands on the ground and was like, I'm going to try and jump up into a handstand. I honestly didn't know if my shoulder was going to stay in place because I dislocated it on my um, Olympic lifting workshop for my professional accreditation doing a snatch balance with an unloaded bar. So with 20 kilos and a small jolt, my shoulder fell out in overhead externally rotated position. Um, so there's no reason why it wouldn't do the same thing in a, in a handstand. But fortunately, it stayed in place and, and it allowed me some time to play around with it. And that's been a massive thing over the last five years for us. And one of the areas that we're now sort of done some work in this year and pushing forwards with is the benefit of progressive bodyweight training in a, from a performance perspective of stabilizing shoulders because my they're, they're amazing now I can do a human flag cold without prepping and my shoulder has the control to stay where it is and um it's that's been a probably someone asked us a question the other day actually and said what is the the best thing you got from calisthenics and, and for me that's it I've, I've now have confidence in my human body to be able to do what I want to be able to do with it um so there's been there's been it started off as Jack and I wanted to mess about with a new form of training and me playing around with something in the gym it's just grown and evolved and, and taken directions that we never saw coming but it's been amazing yeah that's I mean uh, doing gymnastics uh, I I can relate to what you're you're talking about how how confident it makes you uh, to be able to perform anything mm. uh, especially if you've had to recover from some injuries I, I'm curious about the first time you tried to do the handstand what what was the what was the experience there well, bear in mind <laughs> what that you, what, what was that, what was that like so I could kick up to a wall handstand but I remember like playing around with it so I was, I was fairly I'm a fairly confident athlete at that point in terms of if you gave me a movement challenge, I would be all right to do have a crack at it, but nothing with it required any sort of skill uh, I had, had I tried before. And I, I remember just, I didn't know what I was doing. I was in South Africa. We had really, we had little to no internet connection, so I couldn't do a lot of research. Um, and I didn't really know, I didn't have a teaching process in my mind. Um, and I actually sort of started in the frog stand. Um, and then I kind of just was because I'd got a good strength background, I was able to kind of push out into a tuck handstand effectively. Um, and that's what I just did over and over and over again. Because I, I could do wall handstand push-ups. Um, and I, so you basically started from the bottom yeah, in, yeah. on all fours with your hands on the ground, feet on the ground, and you would put your knees on your elbows yep, kind of thing? Yeah. And then from there, you would try to press up into a handstand. Yeah. But you just and then, Tim, because you were so strong, you could you could do that. Yeah, and it was, yeah. And but you never for a long time weren't ever even worried about trying to straighten your legs. You were literally yeah. just trying to get to that like tucked position upside down, so that at least your trunk was vertical because that's giving you the shoulder thing that mm. you wanted. Um, and actually, that cemented a lot of the groundwork. Whereas douchebag over here went for the. <laughs> Oh, we're doing handstands, are we? I'm just going to kick right up and just fall over. And that that then uh, led to very, very little progression for, for myself and that. So, so, Tim, when you first started doing handstands, did you know Jacko already? Uh, so we'd only just met, and then I came back from that holiday, and I think the first gym session we did together was a calisthenics session. So I said, like, let's get together and train. I'm going to show you what I've been doing. And we stood, we did, I showed him back lever because I'd had to play around with that on some rings that I'd taken with me, and we messed about with some frog stands. But, yeah, our, our friendship very much started right at that point. So there was very little before that, to be fair. 
That's funny. So you, your first your first movement you taught him was a back lever, which is pretty intense. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. we were just skinning yeah. the cat, I guess, when we like yeah. first. Well, the first thing was so he's been doing that whilst he was in South Africa, and I tried the the frog stand or crow stand as you some would call it in yoga, and I just my I just hit the deck, my head just face plant straight away. That's that was my first experience of. Um, of, of so you got another head uh, you got another concussion <laughs> yeah, no, exactly yeah, I was like I'm not sure about this I did I remember going through that thought process actually of going like some of the stuff we were going up said I don't know whether that's actually a great idea for this me. story would be way better if you'd actually had a helmet on <laughs> during the early entire days. time <laughs> that's classic uh, uh, Jacko tell me about your first experience working with Tim besides you hitting your head what what was that like and and what got you to stick with it what 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 kept you coming back well so I guess during, as Tim was talking about, uh, during that period, I'd, so I, I had my head injury in the August 2013 and, and initially was actually trying to get back to playing, um, but just couldn't shift my symptoms. And it was, wasn't until the December that the, the specialist actually sort of, um, called an end to it. And then sort of, it wasn't, it was then maybe like January, February time that I was trying to get back into being able to do some training. I've always loved training. I love that side of it. It was a, it was a privilege to, to play sport as a career, um, whilst it lasted. And, um, and then, and I knew whenever I finished playing, I was like training and fitness and, and that was always going to be a part of, I always thought it would be a, a big part of my life. Um, I remember saying to one of my friends, I was like, I was always, I was in, I was in good shape when I was playing rugby. I wasn't one of the big fat guys. I was one of the smaller, faster guys, which is why I just got beaten up probably too much. wasn't probably quite fast enough. But um, I remember saying to one of my mates, I was like, when I finish playing rugby, if you think I'm in good shape now, you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the weights and I'm gonna get like absolutely jacked. Like that, that type of, that was my sort of type of mindset. And um, I remember being in the gym. There was two occasions. On the first occasion, I was I was doing bicep curls and I was looking in the mirror and I was like, what are you doing? Like, you could do anything in the gym now and you're doing this. And then I remember doing um, an upright row um, on a second occasion and just thinking, I'm just doing everything the coach used to tell us to do. Because actually, that's all I had in my tool set. I didn't know. You only know what you know, right? And I, 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 know this, I knew this one way of training that was for rugby, but there was no rugby anymore. So I started to very soon lose my motivation to train. And I'm actually just very grateful. You talk about gratitude, like thankful that Tim was going on that other journey and we came together and I'm, he didn't know I was struggling for motivation to actually train. Um, at, at the point that he introduced this thing that was new and gave me some new, you know, my goal used to always be every, there was a goal every week. It was, depending on what, you know, what day we're playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there was a game of rugby and I knew I was preparing for that. Literally, as soon as the, 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 the week, the new week started, you, you prep in for the next, the next game. And when that's taken away, I re- I, it was quite a strange feeling or understanding of a bit of self-awareness for myself to realise that I thought I was really super motivated, uh, Jacko, the rugby player, Whereas actually, when you took the rugby away, I wasn't that motivated for training, which I, it seems even weird now to say because I'm back into a position where I'm massively motivated. I love, tra- I love training too much because I do it too. I do it too much, if you know what I mean. I need to rest more, but um, that's what calisthenics has given me something to then strive for, some something to work towards. It gives me a bit of a, a reason, a why for my training, and actually, it's opened up my eyes to 
so much more to um to training than what was you know when we what we were doing for rugby was very specific to that and you've got to you know you've got to be specific to get good at it whereas it's opened my eyes to just so much more and I've learned so much about my body physically but also I'm learning you know we were learning about ourselves mentally as well when we're you know our tagline is redefine your impossible literally everything that we try and do now and that we can do now used to be 100% impossible to us you know when I played when I when I started I couldn't touch my toes my hamstrings were that tight my hip flexibility was that poor um, and I used to pull my hamstring when I was playing rugby it was a bit of a problem but I didn't address the issue until I had a reason to do it you'd think well Jack the reason to do it would be so you don't pull your hamstring you can carry on playing rugby but I actually needed something a little bit different and you know for me trying to improve my straddle position and some of my pike positions I just I actually now enjoy that whereas I wouldn't have even done it before I actually enjoy trying to improve that because I see you see that improvement you see the knock-on effect it has then on your training but then you feel better as well so you're getting these like double wins um I can't remember where the question started with. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't even matter. I think I think the one of the points is that you you found something that you loved yeah. and you started loving uh, practicing calisthenics. And then, in addition to that, one of the realizations is that uh, training for preventive uh, causes or or medicine uh, in this case uh, was not that motivating. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't exciting to train for to prevent yeah. y- y- from pulling a hamstring. It, it was more exciting to train for the sport or now for 100%. calisthenics yeah. which is so cool and it's awesome that you both fell in love with it at the same time or at similar times and and what 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 was the moment when you guys decided okay let's do this together and maybe let's start this company uh, how did that all happen well, it was like choose it was a it was a tuesday because remember i i had tuesdays was my yeah, dave day was dave day where <laughs> you would have it was the you had the most number of like sessions with athletes, so it was like the most productive day for me to to come. And then we'd train at the end of that day, um, and I don't know. It just uh, well, but people in the gym had laughed at us to start <laughs> yeah. off with because no one was doing anything like what we were doing in the gym. Um, and you, you know when you've been in the game a while and you, you've built up some confidence in like, okay, you can do Olympic lifting if you want, or you can lift heavy. Like I don't, I got to a point where I actually don't really care what other people think because you've been you've had the opportunity to develop a body of knowledge and experience which means actually you probably know a little bit more than the, the average sort of gym person so i would just do whatever i wanted in the gym but people come up and uh, we, it's still one of the biggest compliments anybody ever paid us but a girl came up to us and said what are you boys doing in the gym because it just looks like you're messing about and we were like that is exactly what we were doing so we were kind of like clowns to start off with and then we got all right and then because we'd kind of taken the strength and condition knowledge and broken down into some progressions and we started to sort of piece it together for ourselves people sort of said to us a few people said oh well, you guys are in a workshop why aren't you in a workshop how come like i, I want to learn how to do a human flag or or whatever so we actually just sort of cobbled together a workshop and i remember saying to, to jacko we, we'd been frustrated with the fact that we we didn't have access to a huge amount of good quality resources which were meeting us where we were at um so I said to Jacko, like, and we still, we talk about it a lot, but I said, if we're going to do this, we're going to try and change the game. Like we wanted to do something different um, and make it accessible for people. And, and we have a massive passion for beginners. We really want to help people to get on board. And so we put these workshops on and, we, and they came, people came and, and then we did another one and people came and then we think, you know what, like, let's just start something and see what happens. We put a beginner's guide out, which was free, which is still available. Um, 
And it, it just it very it, we made so many mistakes. We don't we we could tell you like the, the number of failed things that we tried to try and grab and build a business and a platform and a brand. Um, but it, it was it really came from such an organic place. Um, that there was no real strategy in the early days. Yeah. It was I think we always came from a place I would, of passion. I would, I would love to hear some of those mistakes. What were they? Uh, the one I'll go oh, for God. one, and then you've yeah. probably got a few. The one that sprang to mind is like, we're going to do, but Twitter used to be only, only able to do a 15-second video, and we was like, we're going to do quick calisthenics tips, 15 seconds, bosh them out, people love that. And then we realized that you actually can't say a lot in 15 seconds. So we put some out and went, these are rubbish. <laughs> and then we would get, we would like write content or put videos out, and we'd be like, that's good content, like, that's, that's good, and, but no one would like it, no one would share it. But then we'd meet people all the time and go, oh, I've seen your color sense of it's great. And we're like, come on then, give us a like at least. <laughs> like, don't even share it, just like it. <laughs> but at the start, you, you know this, and people, Carl, and no other people out there were like, at the, I know Gary V says it, like everyone starts with zero followers, subscribers, whatever. And therefore at the start, it doesn't matter how good your stuff is, no one's going to see it. If, if It needs to be good for it to then grow, but you don't see that until... I was speaking to someone the other day that when it was like, oh yeah, yeah, we um, listened to laws of your podcast. It was a guy not university, and I was like, all oh, right, like you, you don't know who's actually like watching, listening, and 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 taking this stuff on board and enjoying it and, and rolling with it. Um, I think the only sort of strat- the only sort of one sort of strategy thing that we, in terms of the name, we always wanted it to be um, educational, empowering. Like I don't want somebody to watch our video or follow our training plan and at the end of week six have no idea what they're supposed to do because the training plan finished in week six and they're like oh tell me what to do we've always wanted it to be like we're going to try and educate you to be able to take you know you have the control you have the power to like change your training change your life or however deep you want to go with it um so the school theme when we when we sort of come down to when it came down to that it was like that fits with what we're going to try and do we weren't going to try you know we're a long way from being the best guys at calisthenics or anything by you know a factor of a million (laughs) but what we what we back ourselves on is to be able to if you if you come to us we can we, we can coach you um, and that's what we've always tried to. Yeah, and, and we've, I always said with an athlete, when, when you're training athletes, you've got to meet them where they're at. Um, and that's often comes from a communication perspective or being, uh, putting a different hat on a different day. If they need an arm around the shoulder or a kick up the backside, you, it becomes that very, the emotional intelligence to understand where someone's at, meet them where they're at, and then d- design training intervention around that. And that was the same thing in the calisthenics thing. We wanted to make it open so we could meet people where they were at and not be intimidating or off-putting. And probably people still find us that because they look at what we do now and think, oh, I could never do that. But we hope that as we get better and refine how we communicate and the way that we do it, we can continue to make it open to people. I'm trying to think yeah, of more mistakes. Yeah, and I mean, you, you guys are definitely doing that. Where, where did it start? Where was the first uh, School of Calisthenics post or program uh, where where was that found? Was that Instagram, Twitter? What what platform was it? A website? Was it? Before, uh, it would have been. It was. Uh, it was Twitter or Facebook. Was yeah. the first. I don't know if we were on Instagram we were, straight away. Yeah, I think it's probably Facebook because I think we 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 ran our first series of workshops and they yeah, were from, called, yeah. uh, sold it from facebook yeah we put that yeah we didn't even advertise you had to thing. yeah we had a thing on facebook it's a ring up the gym <laughs> and the gym you need to pay over the phone to the gym and then we then i think took a percentage of that from the gym 
Yeah. Um, it was called Strength Training for Survival in the Urban Jungle. Because I, <laughs> was that the first was that the that first the name? Was the name. We yeah, should yeah. do that again, right? The course was and it was split into <laughs> there was two there was two modules or two parts to it. There was um preservation and evasion and I can't even remember what the other two were, but basically it was fit, we fitted it and we took a bit of a tongue-in-cheek approach to it and it was supposed to be funny, but it was sort of like, if you needed to save your life, have you got the skills to be able to do it? So if you're on holiday with your mates and you fell out of a balcony, can you do a muscle-up to get back in? Um, and then the, the evasion one was like, if you, <laughs> if, you, if you ever needed to get away from a, do- a dangerous dog or something, you might need be able to need to do a human flag to, to clear away from any potential hazards. And it was it was designed to just be a little bit sort of, playful because that's what our training was about we, we wanted to do a video series about it but yeah, we, 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 we are going to bring strength training for survivor in the urban jungle back I just don't know what, what format it's going to look like <laughs> and how, how, did, how did people uh, uh, receive that that uh, title or the, 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 the name of your workshop <laughs> what, what were they thinking about I, that I think it was a very clear intention from the start that Jacko and I don't take ourselves too seriously um, because we have no right to like we're we're here doing what we're doing, as I said before, from a place of messing about and playing. Um, and we had like there was we had like seven or eight guys. I think it was all guys to start yeah. off with on the first one. I don't know if it was maybe ten. And we ran it. It was seven weeks to the human flag. Yeah, we did. It? Yeah, we did. The, we did it over. It wasn't a one-off thing. It was like week one. Then there was a. A, a workshop then there was uh four weeks in there was another work, a middle workshop and then there was a, a graduation, a graduation <laughs> workshop three weeks after that so they would co- they would come to these workshops you would give them programming and then they would come back yeah to see the progress yeah okay cool so there's actually a video and- on um youtube of um we took you know obviously <laughs> clearly we <laughs> clearly we're expecting <laughs> ourselves you don't do this unless you for some reason, like think about now, you say mistakes we made. This ended up not being a mistake, but it could have been. So we, we filmed everyone. We were like, right, we're going to film you, your first attempt at the human flag. No coach, okay. no nothing, right? They're like, what do you mean? <laughs> Just stand over there and try and do a flag. So they stand there and we've got the video. And then, then we took a video and there was three guys, not everyone did it, but three, three of them. And all very, very, very... Um, Good normal guys, looking really, yeah. guys like not big jacked guys or gym like all completely normal guys like um just like we are but you know if you were to say we did our training from factor, a safety perspective we did go here's a couple yeah, of cues yeah, yeah. it wasn't like it makes it sound so just like reckless but we kind of tim's, tim's protecting <laughs> oh. but se- <laughs> seven weeks later we've got three of them holding a flag for like yeah, yeah. long longer than i could hold a flag <laughs> after seven weeks like 100 percent um, it was amazing to that we, because of all those mistakes we make in training, you can talk about business mistakes and things as, as well, but all the mistakes we've made at training have meant our routes in our journey to some of the things we can do and still can't do is like treacherously long and frustrating, but it makes you a better coach that like when you're there with somebody and you see them do it wrong, you can you can level with them and go. I know exactly what that feels like. I too smashed my face on the ground when I first tried to do my frog stand. Here's some of the things that are going to probably help you. Or here's some things that I found help me. If if you've never been on that journey, it's going to be difficult for you to relate to them on that level. And I think that that's one of the things that um, I hated it at the start. Like I wanted to do. I'm like I want it fast. Like I wanted to be able to do everything. And it's like frustrating when it's just not coming and it's not working and you're having you're trying this out, that doesn't work, try this out, that doesn't work. And but it's made us be able to now refine the process almost like if you know everything that could go wrong when you're trying to learn a human flag, 
even if you don't know what's right, which you know you, you, you're streamlining towards. Well, th- these are the only things that are left. Um, not you know, not that's an extreme. You know what I mean? But um, if you know what, yeah, if you know what's wrong, you've got a, a, a good chance of figuring out what's right, and also preempting um, the difficulties people are going to have. So, like in the virtual classroom that we've got, there's ways and, and lessons that people can and steps to go through but along that journey we've got these troubleshooting steps of like you need to make sure you can do this before you go to that next level and if you're struggling with x then here's why to actually solve that problem for you um and that's something that's that's been bought out of our uh, hardship and frustration along our journey but then ultimately i always say to people when you've struggled to get to something that that when you get it it feels a hell of a lot better than than those things that come easily I, I agree. Uh, so you guys are very um, uh, keen on creating uh, very inclusive progressions and, and where they have very clear steps to go. And, and, and clearly you guys had success uh, from the beginning there because those people after seven, seven weeks were able to uh, jump on a pole or something and, and project their, their bodies uh, <laughs> straight out. Uh, so they were parallel to the ground. And that's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, so what happened after that? Did you guys decide, um, okay, let's just take this online? Or uh, how, how did it go from being something you were doing as a workshop in the gym to online? What, what was the thinking there? Yeah, so we, we actually at that point um, had brought in a third part of our team, which is a guy called Ben, um, who sits as a bit of a sort of, we call him the headmaster, but he's sort of, he's not involved in the teaching or the coaching, but he sits there as a, as a sort of a, yeah, a business development yeah, So I played rugby with, with Ben for, for years and he went into sort of sports PR and, yeah. and marketing. Um, but Ben's and- the sort of guy that keeps us on track when we've got, <laughs> you know, when it's like when you're in, in a business and you're trying to do something and you're doing what you're good at, that's what I think is interesting about being an entrepreneur is that you, you all of a sudden you get drawn to doing what you're good at because that's what you can make money from. And, and when you're right up against a cold face, it's a little bit difficult to see where the opportunities are so having Ben behind us is, is a really uh, is a really useful thing but we we sort of had a meeting we went out for for dinner and we sat down and we were like we've got this beginner's guide um we're just going to push it out and we, then we started just creating some some ebooks um and we had this thing of early doors of we we wanted it to be beautiful we wanted to do production and the brand and how we communicated what we were about to be something enjoyable like we, st- we still have on our to-do list is to write a textbook and I want that to be a piece of work where you could put it on your coffee table and it'll, it'll look great it's like the guys that uh, we move um, the same principle they, they do great magazines that are beautiful you want to pick them up and touch them and feel it and I, and I wanted that that to be part of what we did so you don't quite get that with a PDF, but we put a lot of time into starting to create nice graphics and images and the brand of the school started to emerge and it's evolved a lot since then. Um, but we, we, we got a, um, we had an opportunity to, to pitch for some funding with a not- Nottingham, the city that we live in. They had a, the local council was running like a simulated dragon's den or shark tank. I think you guys have the equivalent in the States. So we went and we, we had to go and pitch and we, for three three thousand pounds, yeah, I've still got the big check in my in my office. Yeah, so we um we Jack and I rocked up in, in vests and we did a we did a bit of calisthenics. We pitched this idea and they gave us three grand, uh, which was amazing. And we we bought we that paid for the website paid for the website. Yeah. Um, so interestingly, from a business perspective, I know that's what a lot of your audience will, 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 are interested in that from the from your content is we we actually haven't put a pound of our own money into the school of calisthenics. Yeah, so we, we started it with a grant and then we started selling workshops and we started putting some ebooks up, which we. Which which we had as part of that e-commerce and then that revenue started to then generate not a lot but of it money. took us a while to even get 
penny, but we were yeah. we were running a workshop once a month, um, and every single country, penny we made from that, we just put back into the business. Um, and so we we weren't taking. We would have been going gone two years before we took a single penny ourselves personally yeah. out. Um, yeah, I think, and I think this is where. Sorry to interrupt you, Jacko. Yeah. I think this is where a lot of uh, listeners. Uh, the the main question I've been getting is, how do the people that you interview know? how to transition and when to transition because uh, you weren't making money at first no. with the school of calisthenics. How, how are you funding this besides the, the dragon's den uh, yes, so, kind of yeah. check you got? And uh, how were you guys uh, making that transition financially? So we were, so we say we were, we were selling workshops and, and using that. And, and that was, that was our kitty money for, for the business. We weren't putting anything else into it. And then, for, to pay our own bills, um, we don't live particularly lavish lifestyles. So we we've been uh, just working on um, the money from that we that we earn as effectively self employed people um, or coaches with the, the Paralympic athletes that we. And we, that's still something we do after. now. We, yeah. we still aren't one hundred percent full in on on calisthenics because we're getting to the point where we've got we're halfway through a Paralympic cycle, but also for the businesses at a point where we where it's it's at the right time for us to then go all in on that and, and then for it to be able to pay us a wage. So it has been a slow process, It's it, but we've, we could have accelerated it, but it, by probably putting in money or, or going out for investment, but that wasn't what we wanted to do. We wanted to maintain ownership and let it grow as a pace that was right for us and organically rather than sort of trying to push it too fast and lose control of the direction or, or ownership of it really. Yeah. And it's literally for those, because must've been those first three years, it was just the three of us, or the first two years with certainly the three of us just working very part time on it, just here, there, and everywhere when when you can. And we just had a we had a belief in it and um, a desire for it to to work. Yeah, we've and grafted. Big we've time. tried to. We were one of the things I thought Tim was going to say it before, but one of the reasons one of the reasons it did start for us was it was an opportunity to go away from. We previously sold, and, and when we do sessions now, it's one hour of your time or an hour and however long the session is with a client. And there's only so many hours in the day and there's only so many of those things that you can do. And there's a lot of planning around them. There's the emotional support that you, there's a lot of energy that you need to give in those sessions. And we wanted a way, I think the both of us, um, I probably wasn't, didn't earn the right to, to do it, but I was quite quickly thinking, I do like this gym thing, but I can't imagine doing this when I'm 45, 50, like just in the gym at 6am putting weights on the bar for people like it's great when you're 30 but um where's the when you're self-employed there's no management role there's no promotion there's no nothing um so this for us was a way of going how do we transition away from just selling an hour of our time to actually have something that can that we can scale and, and can actually be um can actually be a business I think that's a, a wonderful topic, actually. Um, I was just on a call with someone who I, uh, was helping transition from hourly to impact. <laughs> so yeah. there, there's a big difference between uh, working hourly and actually making an impact and seeing your work as impact. Sometimes impact, you can make a big impact in one second. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a very, very interesting topic and conversation uh scalability and and uh how has the the effort of scaling been going for you guys and how how have you guys been uh navigating the treacherous waters of, of scaling a business like yours it, it's hard because it's 
you, you, you're... Well, I've never done it before. That's yeah, one it's of the, the first time I've done it. And the, the other thing is, it's you, we've got to a point in the last year where we've gone so far that Jack and I have said to each other on a number of occasions, <laughs> if this doesn't work out, I'm screwed. Because you've taken a step away from what we were doing before. And it was hard as a strength and conditioning coach, selling hourly time or consultancy work, um, to move away from that. Because and we very much last year were talking a lot around, we need to work on the business, not in the business. And But making that transition is so hard because you've got to pay the bills where you, you need more time and, and you end up working all hours. Um, and I think it, it we... We wouldn't be where we are now, or I wouldn't be where I am now, and the business wouldn't be if it wasn't for Jacko. Like it, it, it's amazing having somebody supporting you along the journey to, to go. So, like I was, I always think we, when we drive to workshops, we might go four hours in the car to go and deliver a workshop or whatever. If you added up the amount of time that we've spoken about the business, the amount of time we've reassured each other, the time we've gone, it's gonna work. It's gotta work. <laughs> Most of the time, it's, it's gonna be all right, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> please tell me, Jacko. I'm tired. I'm worn down. We've been grinding. Please tell me it's gonna be all right. Um, and often that happens. And the great thing about having a business partner that is my best mate is that when he's up and I'm down, he'll do exactly what I need him to do to get me to the place. And it often works like that. There's not yeah, many yeah. times when we're both down and we're going, this is horrendous. It, um, it, we have a, it, it's strange to almost like you said, Carl, you we met on Instagram and then we, we actually met in person in London. It felt like you'd known us a long time and vice versa. And I think, I, Tim feels like the type of guy that I've known like since I was a tiny kid, but actually it's been a very short period of time. Um, but we just have uh, personalities that that click. And you talk. You were talking earlier about all those things that seem to come together at the right time. Um, it is. But we have been very lucky for that. And then you throw Ben in the mix as well. Ben often says to us, he goes, the three of us have all got very different skills, but three unique skills that, that actually join up to make something. Um, you know, even just just talk, just almost um, when when you were talking about like the branding or the score and stuff, all the graphics and all the like things that you think like, look, Tim does them. He's just like on Photoshop and, and, and whatever, like that's, there, there isn't like someone else doing these things. And I think what's difficult with the transition is you go, if you're going to work on the business rather than in it, you get to that point where you know you need that, but you haven't got the finances to be able to pay someone else to do it yet. But you know that when you do get someone else to do it and release you to be able to work on um, uh, improving the business and growing it, that that's going to come. But it's this catch-22 where like, we need to pay someone to do that so that we can do this thing, but we can't afford to pay someone to do that thing until we've done this thing, but we can't do this thing yet until I've got the time. So you, it, it's, it's a constant um, battle and struggle which sometimes just means and you have to be getting so up early patient. or getting to bed later and yeah, just trying and be, to do more. And it's patience. Like we've had to yeah. sit it out. We've, it's taken longer than we wanted it to, but it's, we've had to just sit down and go, okay, we, need, we want all of these things. We can't have them yet. Um, so we're going to have to, we, we go, we've got to wait and we've got to keep working. It, it's still early days. So if we go like, what's, ha- what, what's happened in the last three years, you're like, well, whoa, actually, if you, if you think of it like that, like it's been flipping crazy. Mm. And then go, well, what might happen in another three years? I hate to think, like, if the next three years are like what the first three years are, like, I've got no idea what we might be doing because I certainly didn't expect to be doing doing this. 
um, this now. Do you know what I mean? If I think back to five years ago when I finished, when I was sat there with the physio going, what are you going to do? Going, I've got literally no idea, mate. I know one thing, I need to pay my mortgage at the end of the month. And it's literally, it, you know, it, it's like that. And you go, well, that's exciting though. That's the one thing that like, that's frustrating at times. And I, I sometimes uh, say to Tim, I go, mate, that guy in, uh, I'm trying to think of a, what's like a supermarket? What's a supermarket, well-known supermarket in America? Safeway, Vaughn. They got Safeway. Uh, oh, foods, I used to work uh, at Safeway. I was in dry cleaning. So. <laughs> but um, it sees someone stacking shelves in Safeway, and I'm like, I'm so jealous of you. You <laughs> like, look at look at you just stacking your shelves. It's so easy, and you, you're going to get paid at the end of the month. You've got all these other worries, but actually, but it's the it's that journey. As much as enjoying the calisthenics journey and those frustrations, it's exactly the same thing for us um, from the business point of view. And I don't think. We wouldn't truly, actually, even though we, between each, ourselves, like, worry and complain about certain things, we wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. I, I You know, I, sometimes when I'm I'm driving and I see someone cleaning the streets, I was like, man, I wish I had your job yeah, right now. exactly. But then, but then I think, no, that's not what yeah. I want to do. That's not what I love. It's yeah. like what we were talking about earlier. You, when you, you, when you love something, it's easy to adhere to the process. Yeah. And I think we love this game of building. Yeah. And we love the game of calisthenics or gymnastics or CrossFit or fitness or uh, footwear and apparel, whatever it may be that we're in, business in, yeah. and we're willing to go the length. And, and the fact that you guys have each other is such a big deal. Uh, I'm curious about how, how uh, are you supported uh, outside of the business, uh, families, friends? Uh, what do they think about your, your endeavors and how do they support you? Yeah, we are amazingly fortunate um, with that. We've got, I would say I've got a very small um, in a circle these days, um, partly because of being self-employed for 10 years and, and working on sociable hours as a coach, you don't get time to invest in a lot of friendships. It is a, a sacrifice. I'm not in touch really with anybody that I went to university with or, um, so it is, a, it's a tight knit community of people around me. I'll talk for myself and Jacko can jump in around people that are invested in me. Um, I don't so, but my wife is um, her father is, a, is an entrepreneur he was an architect and he's built a big business he, he won he designed a house for Nelson Mandela and he um, he won <laughs> African you. architect of the year for like seven years in the band so she's seen the grind of being self-employed she knows it but she, it's also in her as well she also knows it and loves it and um, so she understands so when we're doing the things we're making the decisions she's coming from a place of real understanding empathy excitement and then she's in it as well like and, and she really she now she her background is, is marketing and um project management and she's now working as part of our team and and adding value so we like we sit down in our office at 10 o'clock at night the night going i said so this is it, isn't it? this is the life look at us <laughs> sat up at 10 o'clock grafting away for no cash um <laughs> but it's um so i'm really fortunate and my mom and my dad are there as well they don't always i don't think they really understand the digital landscape entirely but i'll they tell are. the story of when your mum asked you about how many you said about the we'd launched like the handstand uh, ebook and and you were telling her how many you'd sold <laughs> did you like? I mean, she's didn't you? She did she? Yeah, she, she's. I think I told her how much we'd made in in like the first month or so. We had a good month when we were the handstand guide, and um, to watch her face when I told her we made that much money, and it wasn't loads. It was like it was it was a reasonable amount. But of she money, thought he's like sold. You said like oh we we'd sold like four thousand pounds worth of yeah of e-book. She was like four hundred. Yeah, yeah, like, she was. Yeah, no, like, PDFs. <laughs> 
Yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> but they, but they're in it. My mum, my mum's a funny one actually because sometimes she she sees how hard we work, and I turn up there sometimes, and I'm, she only lives five minutes down the road, so I see them a lot, and um, I'm tired, and she's like, oh, you can, you know, you can always get a job. Um, you can always that would be easier sometimes, and she knows it's not part of me. I wanted to work for myself and have my own business since I was since I can remember since I was a kid, and she knows that. But um, she still does that motherly thing of going, I just want to make your life easier for you. But they're there. They're 100% behind us. I don't have any negative voices around me these days. Everyone is, is cheering for us from the sidelines, which is great. Well, I'm I'm one of your your cheer cheerleaders, and uh, I want to be the president of uh, the fan club. <laughs> yeah, you're on board. Yeah, I'll give you my mum's number. You can have a chat to her. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I have to compete with her. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, the, I think your story is really interesting, and I I feel like you guys have come such a long way. And one of the things that I want to touch on here now is uh, perception. You know, if if I found you guys on on Instagram alone and I saw you guys have like uh, 140,000 followers or something like that, yeah. uh, I would say, oh, wow, these guys are doing it. They must be living uh, the big life. <laughs> is this something you guys have talked about? And, <laughs> and how can you help me <laughs> demystify this? <laughs> because because it's, it's, it's clearly uh, not the case. Do you want the... Do you want the, the- the, the, the warts and all reality of, of that give us the whole reality please uh, you can buy that huh? if you if you're willing to invest like it's not that we don't buy followers but we advertise so if you want to build a profile there's a number of different things you have to put content together it has to be good content yeah, good, you've yeah. got to create consistently high quality content but yeah. like we've spoken about before these social media platforms are pay to play if you want to advertise and get, get reach to an audience it's a it's a willingness to invest yeah and, we've and done i think we we did it but we were we were me and tim had plenty of times you'd you'd see um you, you come across various different people on you'd, you'd see they go crikey they've got like i remember seeing, I oh, we used to think someone had got twenty five thousand. Yeah, 25,000 like, followers like what are they doing and they must be doing this that the other and um it for us it's been like yes we use um facebook adverts and instagram adverts advertising and um but it's been a case of like we've done since the day we started we did a blog every single week yeah. without fail and that went out on email every single week and we tried to build uh, one of ben's things was like get the, one of the first things we need to do lads is we need to get an email list. What we're going to do is we're going to write a blog. Okay, great. So we write a blog and we do it. And it's and then from That's there, five, well, f- it's gone. Someone years, we just did an interview um, on another podcast, and the guy in his intro um, described us as content monsters. Content, <laughs> content monsters, which I thought was funny, um, because we literally at any opportunity we get to film something of us coaching or doing or whatever, um, we do that and we we film all of our tutorials and everything, and we we put out. You know, now we put out one or two bits of content every single day, um, trying to provide value for somebody. Like from the off, one of my biggest passions was like, if someone wants to learn to do X, they want to learn to do human flag. Success for me is if that person engages with us, they learn the human flag. It's not that they buy the guide we've got for the human flag. That's irrelevant. If they can do that through all the free uh, bits that are on YouTube or on Instagram, that's amazing. Because actually, what? It, yes, we're running a business, so you've got to make some money at some point. But we started this 
in the first place. I think my voice is taking a little bit of a tank, so I'm getting a bit passionate. We started this in the first place because we wanted to do something different and we had no flipping idea how to do it. We searched on, on YouTube how to do a human flag and, and some bloke just went, you do it like this. And just did one and went, well, that's not, that's literally not helping me at all. I want to, we want to help someone to be able to achieve the thing they want to do. Um, and that's, I guess that's at the the heart of it for us. And if, if people are regularly turning up, putting together good content, um, you know, Gary V says it, the, the, the audience decides like how good your stuff is, not you. So, um, constantly trying to refine it and just constantly turning up every day and providing value for people that if they want to learn to do something then then we've got it there for you and and listening to them when they say oh you know do you do x y z and if we don't then do is that something we want to do or think we can do it if we don't then maybe that's for someone else or but constantly just trying to to but i think the thing that i meant before that that mentioned is around the the investment is you you we was, we've put everything back into the business for a long time before we thought about yeah. taking money out. Um, and people just need to understand that these platforms, Instagram, Facebook, are businesses. It's, a, it's an advertising platform, just like people used to pay to put adverts on billboards or in newspapers. Um, you couldn't, you have to publish. Yeah. You've got to put content out there and you've got to get it in front of people and you yeah, have to be able to put financial investment behind that. Otherwise you would, you won't, we, we talked about it the inside of weekend. That's, that's the game. It's, it's unfortunate because it's expensive. Um, but that's, that's at least the it's business a, landscape. And at least these days it's available. Like back before the internet and social media, you didn't have the opportunity if you were a tiny business like ours to invest a hundred pounds in adverts because you just couldn't get on telly or radio for that. So, you know, when we were doing a work, we started off doing workshops. If 10 people came and gave us 20 quid for a workshop, because that's what we literally started with, there's 200 pounds. Well, we could have just paid each other 100 pounds each and gone, great, we got paid today. But we just went, no, that goes, that goes into the business. We're going to spend probably 95% of that on trying to spread the word about, um, about yeah. the scorecard Senex, our free beginner's guide. And it was, it was all based on if you want to learn to do calisthenics, Here's the tools to do it. That we the best thing we can put together for the tools to get started, and it's free because we actually don't. We're not here to try and actually make money off you. We we've enjoyed calisthenics and how it's like changed our training, how it's fixed Tim's shoulders, how it's given me motivation. That if you want to do it, we want you to have the. We want to take away the barriers to entry, so you can you can crack on for free. If you don't want to do calisthenics, great. You don't you don't need us. <laughs> Yeah, and, 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 and it seems like calisthenics is just uh, an excuse to talk about uh, physical health in, yeah. in many different ways. And you guys are clearly embodying that, which is so awesome. Uh, how can people support you guys? Because uh, I'm, I'm rooting for you guys and I want to support you. How, how, can, how can our listeners support you guys? Yeah, and we just appreciate people engaging with us. The big thing that we wanted to do when we started uh, was to to, as I said, make it accessible. But what that's led to is as a community of, of people that's, that's come around us. And we feel really fortunate um, to have some amazing people that are, are part of the School of Calisthenics. Um, and I think so we're not asking for anything in return. If people want to support us, it's just to become part of the community and engage and, and, and have interactions with us. Like, I know you're dedicated to the same thing, but if, if someone sends us a message on, on Instagram, it is Jacko or, or I that sits there and replies at 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday. Like, we, we're still in the very much in 
<laughs> yeah, I don't hear the video replies in the back. <laughs> we're still very much invested in giving people that value and, and creating those relationships. And I think, and if that, if they get some enjoyment out of that and they want to come and see it as a workshop, then that is entirely up to them. But if they're interested in in, um, in, in calisthenics or, or the sorts of messaging that we're putting out, then that's just become part of the community. And yeah. and that that means communicating with each with the other people yeah. that are within the community as well. And there's it's been we did. Um, in the summer, we did um, our handstand world record attempt, which we're still waiting to hear back from Guinness on whether that was successful or not. Um, <laughs> we needed one more car, but we, you were in yeah, Frankfurt. We did, you didn't come, did you? Oh, man. Well, I one short thing. But um, we, we, we ended up in person meeting all these people that had been engaging together. It was, it was amazing. We were meeting them, but then they were also meeting each other, all these people that they'd been talking to each other and showing each other their progress and helping and supporting each other and encouraging each other. And it's a real privilege for us to like be a part of that and just to help sort of amalgamate that to, to happen. But, um, them then meeting in person, um, training together the day before, if they it came was wicked. The yeah. Yeah. There's it's people so cool. flown in from all over Europe and stuff. A guy come from South Africa and like, um, that, that, that day really blew us away and actually really opened up our eyes. We were like, what on earth have we created? Like this, this community of people, it, it, it that really did blow us away. Um, and that isn't, that side of it is, happen again organically happened through i don't know we just do our thing like if someone sends us a question like i'm gonna you're gonna answer it and if someone wants some help and support we're quite positive people i guess in that uh just like if, if someone sends us a, a photo of them doing a handstand and or a video and they, the text that supports that is clearly super excited and they're proud of what they've done the message they get from back from us is that's amazing you've redefined your possible we think you're awesome we don't turn back and go that's flipping we might worse. say you want to perhaps yeah. work on this thing to it's like you did to me yesterday carl i put i'd not done a single hand hand attempt ages and it was flipping awful but i was on my hand for a time there was it was when I watched the video back, it was very different to how it felt when I was upside down. And I did yeah, pause. Yeah, you felt like you were there for a minute. Yeah, I paused for a minute and I was like, I was not going to post it. And I thought, that's not what it's about. Like you, All the way back to that quote you started at the beginning, like, I, we're not perfect, our journey's not perfect. And that is the whole point, that actually um, it's, it's, it is, it's that journey that's um, important. And we want to help people with that. And just on a, like what I'm saying about us being, we'll constantly be just our personality of when we're um, trying to like that whole thing we're saying um, we might be on the way to which it's going to be all right isn't it like oh this is going on this is going and almost can't help but just want to help people and and make people have a a better day like it it for me it starts to then snowball because then people go you don't realize you're doing it we we like make people fill in a feedback form sometimes for workshop and someone will go well read we'll read it on the way back and i'll be like this was just really passionate about and i'll be like oh are we i get well if they're saying it, is it maybe i don't even realize like it's it's sort of happening or doing it and then as soon as someone someone sends you a message going oh man that like that really helped me and thank you for actually uh, it makes me sad actually when it does it, this ma- this makes me sad when someone can't believe that someone's replied to their message so they go oh, i didn't even think you were going to ask and i'll say well you must have done because otherwise you wouldn't have bothered putting the question in the first place um but it happens because i did it to you i didn't think you was going to reply to be fair 
Um, but it makes me sad that people think that just because someone, to go back to that number, just because someone's got a big number of followers on their social media, that they're not going to be bothered about another human being that's actually reaching out to them to ask for some help. Um, and what's nice is now we get to that, that impact. As you, we get now get to, rather than impact one person in one hour, you know, say 10,000 people watch your video, well, a certain number of those might be impacted positively, mm. as many as possible, hopefully. I love it. I love it. I, it's it's really inspiring, and I, I think it's just uh, such a cool thing. And and to see you guys doing it inspires me to want to continue doing it myself. So uh, I guess a thank you for that. Well, you're again. doing a great job as well, <laughs> guys. Um, one last question. So uh, I was thinking about the 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 group of people that got together to do the world record handstand. Um, if the school of calisthenics uh, were to disappear tomorrow and your legacy were to be carried on by this group of people that you guys uh, got to hang out with uh, and try to beat that world record, what would you guys uh, tell them as your final words to to send them off uh, and, and carry the legacy? That is a hell of a question. So I've got goosebumps, Carlos. <laughs> that, he's happy with this. He knows that that's a good question. <laughs> Do you want to go first? Uh, you can go first. I'll try and have a... Th- I'm going to wreck my brains for a little bit. I need to take a breath. Yeah, think about it. Take, it, take a breath. Yeah. For, for me, there's two things that, that spring to mind. Um, and it, it, would be, it would be trying to empower them to go and influence other people positively. So go and share positivity. Go and be nice to people. Um, and I think that probably, before I go down a rabbit hole on that one, um, that's, that's so much about what I think the world needs more of is people with the... Um, the confidence to just go and proactively be positive, to encourage other people despite them not being perfect. And it goes back to where we started. Like we're not perfect. None of us are perfect, but some people will potentially put themselves above others. And, and there becomes this sort of this strange online sort of environment. Um, but just what we've found is we haven't tried to build, we didn't start off trying to build what we've, what we now sit as part of um we've just tried to support people to do something they didn't think that they could do and what has been reciprocated through that to us as jacko said before just blows us away and i think that what i've learned it's not that you've learned that we weren't doing it before but what is being reinforced for me is just just be nice to people be positive just like encourage people and then my second one of that is don't don't ever be too afraid or shy to play have fun, explore things that make you smile, make you happy, that are fulfilling, that add value to your life and make you a better person. Um, and I think that's one thing that we've loved about Calisthenics. It started off as, okay, I want to do a human flag because it looks cool. Whereas now what we've found is that it's it's about, yes, the physical well-being, it's good for our mental well, well-being, our mental health. Um, it encourages us to engage and have community with other people, which is something as humans that we, we benefit from and it, and it brings happiness. So do more of it. That's that's what the essence of play is, is do it while it's enjoyable and fun. And when it changes, change it. Um, but I think people become too restricted on not wanting to give themselves the freedom to do that. Um, and whatever that looks like, whether that's doing handstands or whether it's obstacle course racing or if it's CrossFit or whatever, painting, music, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, that'd be my underlying thing. It's going to be nice. <laughs> I would then throw on the top of that of go... Um, our, our 
what's it's not the slogan i was gonna say catchphrase our slogan read redefine your impossible i would say to the like to to instill that just say remember when that other thing was impossible so whatever whatever you're trying to do now individually but then also collectively remember what the remember that thing that you used to think was impossible and you know you did that and then try to just take that and enjoy that journey and then individually enjoying the struggles through that but then collectively because that's what's been the biggest thing is how people are part of that helping that like we might get a message from someone saying oh so blah 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 that was in- inspiring and actually i always throw it back to them because it gets me pumped up to go and try and do something in the gym when i because sometimes i see people i'm like we, we've we've seen a couple of people in person but then also online like they go hi here's my like handstand or flag graduation and you're looking at them going you know not in a nice way going physically you don't look like you're strong enough to be able to do that and it's amazing and then it it, it starts the whole redefining fossil thing in, in my own head and so um encouraging them to like keep pushing those boundaries and those boundaries might not be the boundaries set by the world that you know of what the world thinks is like amazing and and impossible that might be for like 67 year old sally who just did a frog stand in a front room for the first time and she's never done exercise before and all she used to do is sit on the couch. Like, that's redefining your impossible. Um, and then she tells her friend about it and and it's and it just and it starts to spread like that. It doesn't have to be that someone did the world record of X. Yeah. Um, you don't always have to be the best, do you? No. I love it. Guys, thank you so much. This is amazing. Where where can people find you? Uh where can people follow you? Yeah, so if you if you <laughs> as you say, we we're content monsters, we we're pretty much all over. So if you if you can um schoolofcalisthenics.com is our web address. Um and if you search for school of calisthenics on Instagram or Facebook, you'll find us. Uh, same on YouTube. Um, and you can sign up to get our email. We, we, we've actually just in January we've launching our um virtual classroom which is our online community of people where we've got all of our content, we've modulized it all. So if you want to learn a, a movement-specific uh, calisthenics goal, like a handstand or a human flag, we've broken it all down. It's very much a part of troubleshooting all the stuff that we've talked about, about what we uh, are passionate about is implemented into that. So we're in there as well. We're part of the community. So you can literally ask us questions and we're doing live webinars. We've got yeah. work. You can follow Tim's training program if you want to be be just like Tim. Yeah, education platform for us to share sort of training science. Like we, we've gone all in on this one and, and that's going to be real, the hub of calisthenics moving, for, of school of calisthenics for us moving forward. So have a look at the virtual classroom and, and come and, and, and hang out because it's, a, it's going to be cool. That is awesome. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. I think we did it. Uh, that's that's amazing. Thank you for taking the time and and for making this happen. I know you guys have busy, busy days, so no, no, uh, thank- I really appreciate it. And I know that the listeners probably appreciate it, too. No, no. Thank you for having us on, Carl. It's, yeah. uh, so thank yeah, you. We did it. We did it. <laughs> yeah. And this is the first Woo! time we've talked about some of this stuff, so you, yeah. uh, we haven't yeah. really delved. No one's really spoken to us about the business side of stuff It's before, nice to so go. It's great. It's nice to do it rather than it. just uh, tell us the next progression for a flag. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean, you, you know exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. We, we got to change the conversation. That's how it is, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. And thus concludes another episode of The Freestyle Way, my friends. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Tim and Jacko, and you can appreciate why I appreciate them. 
And if you did appreciate this episode, you know what to do. Take a screenshot of your phone listening to the podcast and share that on stories. And make sure to tag myself at Carl Powley and my guests who today were the School of Calisthenics, who you can find at School of Calisthenics on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And also make sure to connect with us, engage with us, ask us questions, share what you thought, what came up for you, because that's how we continue to build. The other thing I wanted to add to this is that some of you guys may know, I run my podcast through Anchor. And if you have the Anchor app, you have uh, the opportunity to connect with me through voice messages. You can send me a voice message there. And one of the things that I want to do is I want to start having you guys, the listeners, engage and partake in the podcast itself. So uh, start sending me voice messages on Anchor. And if you don't have the app Anchor, as this is not sponsored by Anchor or uh, it's not a paid endorsement, uh, you can also do it through Instagram by just DMing me. But I would recommend that you give the voice note or a voice memo or voice message a shot as we could potentially feature you on the podcast and you could become my future guest. Who knows? So that's that, my friend. That was another uh, episode of the Freestyle Way podcast. This was episode 11 and I really hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Well, I won't see you, but you know what I mean. We'll see you then. We'll talk to you then. Peace.